Welcome to Gathering Ministries podcast. We pray you will enjoy God's presence as you listen. We are in a series of blessing blockers. And we know that from our very first study that God desires um, to bless us, that the Bible tells us many, many, many places that we looked up that it really blesses God when he's able to bless us. And we know that because if you have children, one of the most wonderful things you do as a parent is bless your child, right? And so we went through some blessing blockers, and tonight the blessing blocker we're going to talk about is complaining. Yeah. And it's amazing. I don't know how many of you have had kids that complain, huh? I had a daughter that was a complainer. And uh, so we decided we were going to do something to help her to understand this. So I told her that she's going to get an allowance. And every time she complained, she had to pay me 50 cents out of her allowance. So she came home from work one, uh, school one day. She was in school, and she came home, and she said, what's for dinner? And I told her, and she said, oh, I can't stand that. Why do we always have to have that? I said, that'll be 50 cents. And she said, really? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I said, now it's up to a dollar. <laughs> and she said, Mom, you are so unfair. No other mothers like this. I said, it's up to a dollar fifty. <laughs> well, by the time we got to about $2.50, she caught on that she was going to have no money left if this conversation continued. <laughs> but we've all had those complaints and we're like, are they ever going to stop, right? Right. Well, there was a young man and he felt the call to the ministry. And so he's decided he was going to go into seminary. And he picked a seminary and they said, you know, we feel that if you're really going to do well as a minister, you need to learn how to meditate. So this is a four-year school, but the first three years, we allow you to say two words a year. And the rest of the time, you just must be quiet and listen to God and meditate. So at the end of the first year, the gentleman came in before the president of the school, and the president said, is there anything you'd like to say? He said, now you have two words, but we get a lot of praise and a lot of thanksgiving with those two words. So he said, is there two words you would like to say? He said, better food. So he went back to his room, and he meditated and prayed. And all in the next year, he came in, and, and the president of the seminary said, Sir, is there something you would like to say? And he said, More blankets. 
So he left again, and the third year he came in, and he thought, okay, he's made it through his three years. He's going to go ahead and go on and finish his seminary. And he thought, boy, that was just not right. That was not fair. This is a horrible place. And he sat down. The president said, do you have anything you want to say? And he said, I quit. The president said, well, I understand. You've done nothing but complain since you've been here. <laughs> so he said four words the whole time, but they were all complaints. You know, complaining is a very easy thing to do, isn't it? Boy, oh boy, do we ever complain a lot. Oh, do we ever complain a lot. Man, at the end of the year, sat down, and he was looking over the past year, and he said, boy, oh boy, this has been a bad, bad year. He said, started the year, our roof leaked, and we needed a new roof. Then, before the winter was over, we had a horrible car accident, totaled our car. The summer came, and our son moved out of the house. I ended up having open-heart surgery, and by the time the year was over, the company shut down. I didn't have a job. What a horrible year it was. He just shoved it off to the side of his desk and went to bed. His wife got up the next morning and went over and saw it sitting on his desk, and she read it, and she sat down, and she said, you know, our roof was repaired by a young man we were able to lead to the Lord. We walked away unharmed from a horrible car accident we had. Our son did move because he married a beautiful Christian woman and got a promotion at his job. My husband's fully recovered from his open heart surgery and because his company shut down, we're able to spend more time together and enjoy our life. God, you are so good. Oh boy, it's easy to complain, isn't it? Isn't it easy to complain? I complained about my dirty house. Till I realized I had a roof over my head. I complained about paying taxes till I realized I'd made some money. I complained about my laundry till I realized I had some clothes. I complained about my family till I realized I had someone to love. I complained about the gas prices until I realized I had a car. And I complained about the pain till I realized I was alive. Oh boy, if we could ever understand that for every complaint we have, there's a blessing that God has given us, it would change so much in our life. But the biggest thing it would change is our relationship with God. And we're going to talk tonight about this complaining that goes on. And, you know, some of us are just natural. We see the glass half full all the time, right? Yeah, I grew up in a house that the glass was always half full. It did not matter what was going on. When my mom was pregnant for her 10th child, my dad called it a blessing. It ended up being Rhonda. I wonder if he still does that. <laughs> 
But then he had an 11th child that he also called a blessing. Never once did he say, oh God, what am I going to do with all these kids? He just thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world. Yeah. You see, we have some people that are just naturally see the best of everything. And then we have some people that naturally see the worst of everything. Right? But you know what God says? God says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Then why are you complaining? <laughs> then why do we complain? I complain. You know, and really, all things are working together for my good. You know, and those things that we think are so horrible end up being the most wonderful things sometimes in our life, right? Yeah. I want to share a little story with you, and then we'll really get into Scripture. We are going to talk Scripture tonight. Many of you know um, Rhonda's girls. They're beautiful girls. We have Erin, and she's two years older than Jamie and Kelly, who are twins. And when Jamie and Kelly were born, it's very interesting. Twins just have this, this communication. We'd go in their room. We'd set them this far apart when we put them to sleep. And in the morning, we'd come together. And, and they were infants, and they would be next to each other. We were like, how did they do that? <laughs> we'd separate them, and they'd come back. How did they do that? They don't move. But somehow, they were able to get to each other. Well, they would stand up in their cribs and jabber and laugh, and nobody knew what they were saying, but those two knew what they were saying. Well, they also did something very interesting, and that is they would only cry one at a time. It was like they instinctively knew that if one of them needed attention, the other one was supposed to wait. It was the most amazing thing. So when one of them was hungry, the other one wouldn't cry, nothing. We'd pick them up, feed them. But don't you know, as soon as that first one was done eating, the second one would start crying. <laughs> it was their turn. Well, one day, they must have been jabbering in the crib, is all I can figure, because they decided that they were going to blast us. So they both just started crying, crying, crying at the same time. And Rhonda was running around trying to get bottles. Aaron was patting him, trying to get him to be quiet, swinging him in their swing. They were just running around like crazy. Get these kids to please stop crying. And it was just utter chaos. And all of a sudden, Rhonda goes in, and very innocently, Aaron looks up and says, Mommy... When do we send them back? <laughs> you see, sometimes our most wonderful blessings, we tell God we want him to get rid of it for us. And the truth is, he's saying, I'm not getting rid of that because that's going to be the greatest blessing in your whole life. And to this day, those two girls wait on Aaron hand and foot. 
So, you see, our complaining really is completely out of line with what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? Amen. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. While you're looking that up, I want to talk to you. Complaining is this. Are you ready? The act of questioning the providence of God or the result of ingratitude or forgetfulness of the goodness of God. Boy, it's easy to complain if we forget what God's doing or if we forget that all things work together, we're going to complain, aren't we? Yes. Philippians 2, are you there? Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Boy, I'll tell you, Christians should be the ones never complaining and standing out because they have the best attitudes, don't you think? Shouldn't we be just shining amongst the rest of the world because we do not complain? Yeah, James 4. We're going to look at several verses here on complaining. And then I don't want you all to get beat down because I have good news for you at the end. It gets really, it gets better, okay? Just hang in there. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire to battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay? When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That word there of quarreling and fighting is actually complaining. It's the same word as complaining. And I'm going to tell you what, complaining is contagious, isn't it? Boy, have you ever been in a group where you, th- you came in and you thought everything was great tonight, right? And all of a sudden, somebody says, these chairs are uncomfortable, and now everybody's miserable in their chairs, right? Yeah. Or it's too hot, or it's too cold, or it's too this, or it's too that. On and on and on it goes. It's, it's contagious, isn't it? Complaining can be very, very contagious. James 5.9 says this. Don't complain against one another brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't be complaining. Yeah. Numbers 12. Boy, we're going to find out the children of Israel. They weren't very smart, man. We're going to find that out tonight. Numbers 12, okay? Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Miriam and Aaron, you know what they started doing? Complaining about Moses. 
complaining, complaining, complaining about Moses. So look at what happened in verses 9 and 10. Here's what happens when you complain about the pastor or the Bible study teacher. <laughs> all right? Just want you to see this for yourself, all right? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leopardous, and she became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. Yeah. You see, God is not very happy when we complain. But here's the amazing thing that you're going to see. Pastors, teachers, whoever you are here tonight, I want you to know something, okay? They complained and grumbled about Jesus' teaching too. Did you know that? Yeah, John 6, 41. John 6, 41, they complained about Jesus grumbling, or Jesus' teaching. At this, the Jews began to grumble about Jesus because he said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. Isn't that amazing? See, so pastors, if, you're, if your congregation's complaining about you, you're in good company, okay? You're in real good company because they complained about Jesus. And then verse 61, they said this, aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Even the disciples were grumbling and complaining. Can you imagine that? I mean, I get it, you know, maybe complaining about a lot of people. You don't want to do it. We're going to talk about you don't want, really want to do that. But complaining about Jesus? Really? I mean, that really is something else to think, that these disciples who were with him, who saw him do miracles, who saw him raise the dead, who saw him heal the sick, who saw him cause the blind to see, who saw him do all of these miracles after miracle after miracle. I want to believe that if Jesus were here doing all of that, the last thing I'd want to do is complain about him. Do you think? Yeah. Here they were complaining about Jesus. Now, that's about complaining. What about the children of Israel? Oh, what about them? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You heard they went around the mountain, right? Over and over and over and over again, right? I am amazed at how slow they were to learn. You know, yeah, it took my daughter $2.50, but it didn't take her 40 years. Watch what happens here. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 9 and 10, okay? We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. 
And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. That's the children of Israel. Now, when the writer of Hebrews, most people think it's Paul, it doesn't matter to me who it was, to be honest with you, so I don't want to go down that road. But in chapter 3 of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestor tested and tried me through, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Are you ready for this? That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. I declare an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Do you know the children of Israel complain so much that they never, a whole generation, never made it into the promised land? God has given all of you a destiny, a promise. God has put a, a dream in your heart. He has given you a destiny. He has promised you so many wonderful things, but your complaining cannot keep you from reaching your destiny. There's so much God wants to do. He wants to do so much in your life. But you know what? We're going to talk about this when we talk about David. That's going to be our next study, by the way. But listen to what I'm going to say to you, okay? All right? God gives everybody a promise, right? You all have a promise. Do you know that he doesn't give you the promise when he gives you the promise? In other words, he will first tell you, this is what I want to do with you. And then you go through a time of preparation. Okay? Because if he said to an 18-year-old, I am calling you to be an ambassador for Christ around the world, now go and didn't give the ambassador any study or any knowledge, the ambassador would fall fat on his face. Do you remember he gave Moses or Joseph a promise, but Joseph had to go through a time of preparation. We all have a promise, but then we go through a time of preparation. And that time of preparation shouldn't take longer than what God has planned. But for most of us, we're still in our time of preparation because we haven't quit complaining. And God is trying to teach us things, and we keep complaining about what he's trying to teach us. But you know, as soon as you learn it, then you get your provision. And with your permission comes your promotion. But as soon as you have that, here comes another promise, and you're going to go through preparation. And you will spend a lot of your life in preparation to reach what God has for you. And it cannot be a field of sowing seeds of complaining. Oh, if we could understand that, we would see God doing so much in our lives. We're going to talk about that with many people, but let's keep going here. Let's go to Psalm 106. 
I should have made this about a four-week one, but I didn't think you'd come back if I kept talking about complaining. Psalm 106. Are you there? Okay. Here we go. We're going to, first of all, read verse 7. Okay? Our ancestors were in Egypt. They gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your kindnesses. Now go down to verse 25 of Psalm 106. They grumbled in their tents. You can read the whole chapter. I'm just hitting the highlights here. And then verse 32. By the waters of Meribah, they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. Okay, now we're going to look at something very interesting here. Everybody go to Exodus, and we're just going to go through flipping the pages a few times. And you're going to say, are you kidding me? Or did they really do all of this? But yes, we're going to see. And this is what God is telling us. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Okay? Are you at Exodus chapter 14? All right, let's go to 11 and 12. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Okay? So they're, yeah. There you go. If you read it, they're complaining about being stuck at the Red Sea. Okay? Now go to Exodus 15, verse 24. All right? Verse 24. So the people grumbled against Moses. What are we to drink? Okay? So they're complaining about the water. Now go to 16, verses 1 through 4. The Israelite community set out. And in the second month after they come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses. And Aaron, the Israelites, said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted, but you have brought it us to the desert to starve this entire assembly to death, complaining about food. Boy, oh boy, they were miserable in Egypt. And they're just complaining nonstop. Do you think they're done yet? Nope. Let's go to Exodus 17. The whole Israel community set out from the desert of sin, traveling. I think they should have stayed there personally, traveling from place to place. Okay? They quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said, Why, do you, why are you doing this to me? Why do you put your Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They're complaining about water again. Again. God provided for them, and instead of just saying, God, we need your help, they chose to complain about it instead and grumble and carry on. Okay? So now we go to Numbers chapter 11. Okay? 
Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. The people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. So if you read that, verses 1 through 4, you know what they're complaining about? Now they want food. Okay? So they're complaining about not having any meat to eat. Oh, we had leeks and garlic and cucumbers and onions. Ah, but now we don't, all we have is this lousy manna. All we have is this lousy manna. I'll never forget as long as I live. And to this day, I love oatmeal. Anybody knows me? When we go to a restaurant, I hope they have oatmeal. But I think the reason I love oatmeal is it always reminds me of this. We were in a church that was, at that time, we only had nine kids, but they could only pay us $50 a week. And my dad was very, very heartbroken because that night for dinner, all we were going to have was oatmeal. And so my mom fixed the oatmeal, and... He was just feeling beaten down and like he really wasn't a good provider. And he just did not really feel adequate in so many ways. And he was like, I know God's called me into the ministry. I know this is what God wants me to do. And I'm feeding my family oatmeal for dinner. Okay? Manna. Oh, thank God for the manna. If all you have is manna, thank God for the manna. So we sat down, and we started eating, and my brother Bert took a bite of the oatmeal, and he looked up, and he goes, Daddy, this is the best oatmeal I've ever had. And my dad wept right there in front of us, But he never forgot that. You see, he was complaining there was no meat when God had provided manna. Look, what God has provided for you, be so thankful for. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we are up to Numbers 14 now, okay? Now they're complaining some more, okay? The community raised their voices and wept out loud. The Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. How many times are they going to say that? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us if we were back in Egypt? Here they are again complaining, God delivered them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He let them walk across and then drowned Pharaoh's army. And they're saying, take us back to Egypt. Can you imagine it? Well, we probably can more than we want to, right? Now they're complaining about the promised land. Here it is. We sent spies up. Look. 
Look, it is exactly like God said it is. It is so wonderful. This promised land has absolutely everything. It's got Chick-fil-A's at every corner. You know, it is just the best promised land you'd ever want to see. Yeah. And they're like, we can't go in there. And do you know, 10 spies got a million people to agree with them. Complaining is contagious. Ten spies got a million people to say you're absolutely right. Right. Yeah, we should go back to Egypt. And you know what they said in verse 4? Let's get a better leader. Let's get rid of Moses. Let's get a better leader. Get back there. Get back there. So in verses 20 through 38, the Lord said, I've forgiven them as she is that nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me, not one of them will ever see the land I promised. Do you see their complaining kept them from ever getting to their promise? Oh, man, that should be enough to have all of us say, Lord, I don't want to ever complain again. Yeah. So do you think that stopped him? No. Numbers 20, you know what they start complaining about again? Water. You can read it, Numbers 20, verses 1 through 7. They get all upset now. They quarreled with Moses and said, if we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Now they're saying we should have died like the rest of them did. Are you kidding me? And he gave us a warning. He said, do not be like those people. They never got to their promised land. They never got to their destiny. They never got what God had for all of them because they kept complaining. Yeah. And then 21 verses 1 through 5. Boy, now they're just talking about life itself and complaining. So what do we do as a Christian about this? What do we do as a Christian so that we do not become like the children of Israel who hardened their hearts and missed their promise? Well, I've got good news for you. There's an answer for all of this. And there's a beautiful answer for all of this that will bring all of you to the place that God wants you to be so that you can enjoy what God has for you. You see, because if you live for God, everything he is, everything he has, everything he does belongs to you. But you cannot block it with these blockers of complaining. Get that out of the way so that everything he is, everything he has, everything he does can come into your life and you can enjoy the goodness of God. Yeah, we're back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you again. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well or fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Do you know what content really means? I have learned to be content. Number one, it's not a gift. Number one, it's not part of your personality. It is something you learn. You learn to be content. And the actual word content means living in the present. What? I'll bet there's not three people here living in the present. You're all living with the regrets of the past, or you're living with the worries of the future, but very few people are living in the present. If you have regrets in the past, Paul said, forgetting what's behind me, I press on toward the goal. If you're worried about the future, do not worry. God says, do not be anxious for anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your requests known before God. You don't worry about the future. You don't regret the past. You learn to be content. You learn to enjoy where you are right now. Amen? Amen. First Thessalonians 5.18. It's right behind Philippians and Colossians. I think if you turn about four or five pages, you're going to be there. 5.18 says this. Are you ready? Give thanks. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God concerning you. Give thanks. God, I'm going to tell you right now, things are not like I would like them to be, but I'm very thankful that you're working all things together for my good. Oh boy, you want to see things change in your life in a hurry? Try that. Try that. God, I don't know how you're going to fix this problem, but I do know this, that you're the God of the impossible, and you will take care of it for me because you promised that you would work all things together for my good. God, I don't know what the future holds, but you know what? It doesn't matter what the future holds. I know you hold the future. All of a sudden, Everything looks completely different. Yeah. And I just read Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Luke 6, verse 22 and 23. Okay. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Look, you don't complain when somebody's giving you a hard time. You leap for joy. Now, you might need to leap right out the door and head on home, but you can still leap for joy. Yeah. Oh, how many times has somebody given us a hard time and we go home and complain about it? Or we complain to everybody else about it. And the truth is, we're to be saying, you know what? Of course you're going to come after me. I'm a child of God. And that's what Satan does. But you know what? That means I am living for God because Satan won't let bother me if I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Ooh, Satan, bring it on. That means I'm in the right place. Right. 
Instead, we start complaining, oh, poor me. No, not poor you. You've already won. Can I tell you something? You are operating from the place of victory. Satan's trying to steal it. Okay? You are not trying to get to victory. You're already there. And Satan is going to attack you to try to steal it. He doesn't win. Amen? Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Boy, if you're rejoicing, if you're thanking God, if you are, are blessing the Lord, if you are doing great and mighty things in God's eyes, you know what? It's hard to complain. I want somebody to stand up here and show me how you can complain and rejoice and thank God at the same time. Nope, nobody can do it. Okay. All right, James 1. James 1, you all know this. Count up pure joy. Count up pure joy when you trace, face trials of many kinds, right? Oh, I don't know how many of you have counted it pure joy for the trials you've cha- uh, had in the last few weeks, but I'm here to tell you, count it pure joy. Yeah, you're saying, you're looking at me, uh-uh. I'm telling you, this is what scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say, again, I say rejoice. Oh, be thankful. Look, look, listen to what I'm going to say to you. The Christian life is not going to be without trouble. But the Christian life is also never going to be with defeat. You will always win. Faith always wins. You will always win. Then I love this Habakkuk. Boy, I'm going to tell you, if you've never read Habakkuk, you're going to read a couple verses right now. You won't find it in your Bible. It's three chapters. It's in front of Zephaniah. And uh, there's three verses here. Listen. Though the fig tree does not bud, there is no grapes on the vine. The olive crop fails. The fields produce no food. There's no sheep in the pen. And no cattle's in the stall. In other words, things are about as bad as they can get. Right? Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And you know what happens when you rejoice in the Lord? Psalm 22.3 says, God inhabits your praise. All of a sudden, God shows up where there's no sheep, and all of a sudden, there's sheep. God shows up where the uh, olive tree isn't blooming, and all of a sudden there's olives. God shows up, and he takes care of what problems you are facing. Do you know God is never going to show up and not take care of your problems? He takes care of them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Yeah. And you know, when every time you speak the word of God, Psalm 103 says, angels show up. And sometimes you can only speak the word of God. Sometimes you, the only thing you can say is, help. Do you know that's in the Bible? You're allowed to say that. And angels show up. You see, complaining does not have to be our default. Our default needs to be changed in the computer of our mind to rejoice in the Lord always. And if I see some of you leaping around town, I'm going to say, this is an exciting day. Yes. You know, and the result is 
we will always sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into other broadcasts at Gather in Ministries.